Have you ever heard of? You must have heard of Ahmed Shauqi. Ahmed Shauqi is mm. is is called the is known as the prince of poetry in Egypt. Right? He's a very mm. famous Arab poet in the early part of the 20th century. Shauqi wrote verse praising Mustafa Kemal, praising Mustafa Kemal because he saw him as a great military leader who defeated the British at Gallipoli who defeated the Greeks in the, the, the war against Greek, Greece, right? Mm. When Mustafa Kemal abolished the Khilafah, Shoki was shocked. He was like, uh, he was in trauma. He's written, he's written a verse, which is one of the most famous eulogies to the Khilafah. Very moving. People who read it, they're in tears mm. reading this, okay? When he wrote it, Mustafa Sabri, the same last mufti of the Khilafah, like, said now you're mourning it now you criticize Mustafa Kemal but some of us could see this coming from before some of us could see the trajectory that mm. the young Turks <clears throat> and the nationalists and the secularists were going on others saw them as a means to an end they thought you know what these guys are trying to regain some prestige and power to the Khilafah many pro-Islamic pro-caliphate people thought even the young Turks were doing something good or Mustafa mm. Kemal was doing something good mm. until they saw the final knife being stabbed in and then they realised the magnitude of what had happened in retrospect. And Muslims can be very trusting and make excuses for people when perhaps they ought to be looking at much more scrutiny. Assalamualaikum legends, 100 Hijri years ago this week, in 1342, something calamitous befell the Ummah. It was the official abolishment of the last caliphate. We have today, in this special Islam Trinity Unscripted episode, someone who is very dear to me, a beloved brother, and, and I consider him an elder brother and mentor uh, of mine, Dr. Abdul Wahid from Hizbut Tahrir, Britain. He's the UK uh, chairman, mashallah. Uh, we talk about the history of the a bit of the history of the Khilafah, um, what Khilafah really means to him, and o- obviously, of course, some of the juicy stuff. What would it look like today? How can we uh, establish a serious and, and, and effective Muslim unity globally once again? Uh, just before we get into it, just a quick reminder: please do subscribe if you're into this kind of stuff, so uh, you get at the front of the queue whenever we publish something new uh, give us a like or a comment get involved in the conversation and click this banner up here to help support the Sumter and see unscripted Zakum Dr. Abdul Wahid Wa alaikum salam Dr. Salman Bhatt How are you doing? Alhamdulillah Alhamdulillah How are you? Alhamdulillah All well uh, we Obviously you know the, this topic is an important one and we thought we can't talk about this you know topic the Khilafah without inviting someone with a, a deeper kind of a special interest and a uh, a background in this topic, so it would be uh, and 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 Zakla Khair for you know uh, pointing our attention towards this topic. I had no idea that um, mm. you know in, in my head the, the the abolition of the Khilafah, the the popular year is nineteen twenty four. Twenty four, that's right. Which yeah. is, I mean, the centennial is going to be in three years, but uh, Hijri date. I never knew this until you uh, until we spoke. So thirteen forty two. That's right. The I mean, what some historians call the, uh, the official abolition of the Ottoman Caliphate. Yeah. So, the Khilafah is is often described as a system set 
off by the Prophet like a succession of um, different kind of heads or, or figureheads of the Ummah in terms of the, the, the actual leader. Um, and we've been through many throughout our history. But before we get into the kind of the, the, the meat and potatoes, I just wanted to ask you what what does Khilafah mean to you? Okay. So Khilafah means to me the political leadership of the Muslim Ummah. Uh, the Khalifa was otherwise called the Imam, Armil al Mu'minin, um, and the hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi one of the hadith which mentions this, mentioned in Sahih Muslim, uh, narrated by Abu Hurairah, that the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, كانت بنو إسرائيل تخصوصهم الأنبياء That the, uh, the children of Israel, they used to be governed by their prophets. كلما هلك النبي خلفه النبي Whenever one died, there would be another prophet that succeeded him. Hmm. And there will be no prophet after me. Very famous line from hmm. the Sunnah, yes. But there will be khulafa, khalifas. And, the, um, uh, and there will be many. And the Sahaba asked him, so what do you order us in relation to these? He said, He said, fulfill your bay'ah to them, your pledge mm. to them. So they took a pledge to rule according to Kitab and Sunnah, uh, according to Islam, from Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq, radiallahu an, to his, the successing khulafa. Mm. This was the condition that they <coughs> will rule according to Islam. And mm. of course, we know that many of the ahkam sharia, actually the method of their implementation really or, or, or securing their implementation is yeah. through the Khilafah. So whether it's the establishment of the, the prayer, especially the Jummah prayer, the collection of the zakat, the mm -hmm. looking after the affairs of people in terms of providing health, food, shelter, clothing, education, mm -hmm. spreading Islam to the world, being the voice for Islam on the world stage and in particular, you know, you look at the even even right till the tail end of the Ottoman Khilafah. Mm. This was a, a, a role that the the the, the Khalifas of that of that uh, Khilafah were were actually playing a voice yeah. for Islam in the world, mm. and um, and so a hundred years without an Amir for the Mu'minin, without an Imam of the Muslims, without this. Uh, Sharia role being mm. fulfilled is is a huge huge problem for us. Yeah. Were there any times historically where we're in a uh, we were in a similar position? No, not like this. I mean, there have been periods of conflict mm. uh, where where the Muslims aren't united under one Khalifa, one leader. Okay, so yeah, there have been, uh, mm. but not 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 like this. Mm. So. Uh, we know that in after the time of Banu Umayyah and the succession of uh, of Banu Abbas, yeah. that there were there was a a, a remnant of the Umayyad uh, dynasty, if you like, in mm. in uh, uh, Andalus. in Andalus, which didn't and and mm. there have been and there have been other places like that which didn't, mm. if you like. They set themselves up as their own sultanates or, yeah. or emirates and things like that. 
but but not in the way that happened in the last hundred years, where we've we've default gone to not just divided, but ruling by other than Islam, and where dozens and dozens and of dozens of them, and mm. drawn by the colonial uh, powers for the most part. Mm. Um, I, there's no there's no precedent in history, and th- those other mm. historical aberrants. And there were aberrations that you know can't be used to justify the state we're in today. Although some mm. people do actually, um, you know, but that that's the way it goes, really. Yeah, I mean, I know this is going to be very hard for you, but try and imagine I'm a complete ignoramus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, historically speaking, some people think you know Khilafa or what you're describing is like some kind of bloody dictatorship, you know. Uh, and there's, you know, obviously you can find examples with, you know, uh, what's it called, fratricide or something. Yeah, or, you yeah. Know, people killing their brothers to get power and and uh, rival dynasties and all that kind of stuff. So how would you describe how a Khilafah, in terms of, you know, the model that's been adopted historically, how it's different to what some people might imagine or what projections some maybe enemies of Islam yeah. might give of this is some kind Good. of... You know, bloody it, it, dictatorship. It's it's a good question, and I think objectively one can't describe thirteen hundred years of Khilafah mm. as being without problems, without mm. flaws, without uh, a, a corrupt people, without conflict. That this is not this would not be true. Khilafah, but but it could still be Khilafah, mm. right? It could still be Khilafah. It could still fulfil the conditions of the Sharia of of Khilafah. The Khilafah that we know is the Khilafah that is the, the gold standard that we aspire to look at and learn from is the Khilafah Rashida. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, the, 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 first the first five, five actually, is, yeah, is, is the fi- first five Khilafah. Mm-hmm. And then obviously people look at the, the examples in Islamic history of other Khilafah mm-hmm. who were very just and judge. Uh, uh, f- could could be described with that title and mm. Umar bin Abdul Aziz, may Allah have mercy on him, is is usually mm. almost universally acknowledged with as being one of the righteously guided Khulafa. Yeah. yeah? Um there are many problems appeared, conflicts. Um and, and one of the problems is the corruption of this bay'ah process, if you like. The first five Khulafa were given the pledge freely uh, in, in slightly different ways, actually, but but given the pledge free, when they represented having the backing mm. of the authority of the Ahlul Hal wal Aqd, and and as dynastic rule started, that bay'ah process gets corrupted, and with that corruption of a bay'ah process, you get all mm. kinds of uh, games where people are trying to keep a political dynasty within their succession, and the Khalifa should only come out of a small number of families or clans mm. within a family. Um, and and this is kind of the thing that justified, wrongly wrongly justified the idea that you could kill somebody mm-hmm. else. To, and so those things happen. But Salman, those um, Orientalist kind of magnifications mm-hmm. of the problems of Khilafah, they pale into significance when you look at, say, the equivalent thirteen hundred years of the history of Europe. <laughs> which was, you know, ruled under ages. The, the, the authority of the, mm. the, 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 the oppressive authority of the Catholic Church, the Spanish Inquisition, war, conflict between states, mm. uh, 
you know, the, the, there's no Divine comparison. Kings. The, yeah, there's no comparison. And, and more than that, you, you said in mm. your trailer for this, look at the last hundred years, mm. talking about bloodshed. How much bloodshed in Al-Nakba? How much bloodshed in the war in Algeria? Yeah, mm. Estimates of like <clears throat> one and a half million people killed by that. How much bloodshed in two Gulf Wars, 91 and 2003? Mm. How much bloodshed in the Iraq, and Iraq War? And that's and, just the Muslims. And that's just the Muslims. And just, yeah. but in more recent times, yeah. Syria, Yemen, Libya, the, the, these conflicts can be traced to problems that existed yeah. from the demise of the Khilafah in 1924, 13, 42. And that's just the Muslims. And so when Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, mm-hmm. the, the disbelievers, they're allies of one mm-hmm. another. If you don't, Muslims, if you don't do the same, if you don't unite as, as awliya of each other, then there will be fitna on mm. this earth and great fasad, yeah, great mm. corruption. And that's on the earth, Allah says, not, not just for you Muslims, this is for humanity. And yeah. that's the state we're in. What, they, what happened in 1924, 1342, was a destabilization of the Middle East mm. and the Muslim world which the world is not recovering from, to be honest with you. It's, it's still in that state of instability yeah. from what was created <clears throat> at that time. And obviously that, what happened then was the end of a series of problems, mm-hmm. but it wasn't an event in itself. It was the culmination of, of other problems, basically. I do want to get into the question of you know, what happened um, because that you know the thing with history is, you can go down a rabbit hole and look at one thing, yeah. and a lot of people have different kind of theories about where it went wrong, so to speak. And I do want to get into that, but just for um, rewind back a few seconds, you mentioned this phrase Ahlul Hali wal Aqd. Well, how do you describe this group? What, this, this is the group who appoints the, the 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 leader. So they are, if you like, the people of uh, who represent the authority of. Of the people of the mm-hmm. of the of the ummah, if you like. So in the in the time of uh, uh, of the Sahaba in the Khilafah mm-hmm. Rashid, they were the senior Sahaba who carried the respect of the leaders of the tribe. The leaders they, they could be the leaders mm-hmm. of the tribe. They, they exist in, if you like, in in reality. In every society, you have the establishment, the establishment of the aristocracy or the or the ones who carry the most respect, mm. okay? Um, now, in different societies, that might manifest in different ways. So in a very tribal society, it would definitely be the leaders of tribes. In, mm-hmm. in, in other societies, it might not be represented that way. It's entirely possible, in fact, in our uh, vision of Khilafah in mm. the future, to realize that in a real way. You probably have elections mm-hmm. to elect representatives from, uh, from the ummah. Yeah. Did you just say elections? Yes, 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 absolutely. Because, because in sure. fact, in, and you can draw that from the mm. example of the first four Khulafa, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I do want to get into the discussion of what would, if we're yeah. imagining kind of practically, sure. what would a uh, you know, Khulafa look just like? To, just to explain that, that yeah. concept of Ahlul Ahl wal Aqd, that actually, if you imagine, if you had a free election and you had Majlis al Ummah, yeah. which was a, a representative body, then those people actually would carry legitimate representation yeah. of people. So if those people ended up electing 
a, a ruler for the Muslims, that would carry the due mm. authority. Yeah. Um, but similarly, if you had a, a, a more tribal society, you know, that could be that it could be manifest mm. through the leaders of tribes, because in that society, they would be representative of that. Mm. I like to kind of think about, you know, separate between the maybe just historic uh, kind of things that happen because of historical circumstance and the actual normative stuff. You yeah. know, the things that we want to focus on saying this is intended by Allah in and of itself, mm -hmm. you know. So, for example, the notion of Khulafa and, and a Khalifa and a leader, to me, is built up on so many evidences and and from the perspective of pragmatically from the perspective of the prophet said you need to have someone who is you know, appoint a leader even if it's just three of you traveling somewhere appoint a leader right um because pragmatically you need someone who you can who you, who can represent the group who you need someone who can make certain decisions who can judge between disputes who can be that you know, final call, for example, in this consultation, who can negotiate on your behalf, right? Uh, and the bigger the group, the more people you have to, you know, they, they need, it's going to be harder to survey each and every The more person's. important the issue, the more important. Yeah. So if you have to have an, a leader when three of you are traveling, yeah. a more important issue than that, you need to have a leader yeah. for. Yeah, that would be. So if there's, if there's 10,000 of you, you know, and, and you need to say, even in a local area, for example, you need to talk about, you know, planning permission or whatever, right? Um, or who, who do we make a trade deal with or who do we go to war with or whatever? Hmm. It's impossible, practically, to survey everyone. But you, you why, have to why, have... Why? It's impossible to survey every single person if right. there's thousands and thousands of you because, yeah. you know, you, you can't do that. There yeah. has to be some kind of representative representative you can go to yeah. to negotiate that deal with and that representative can't just be some puppet because they're not going to be eventually if if the representative isn't echoing the the will of the masses hmm. they're going to get overthrown or uh, there's going to be some kind of resentment hmm. it's not you're not going to see a a stable kind of society civil society for a long period of time like we've seen in the Muslim world, you mm. know, for a thousand plus years, mm. stability, and I think that's because the power has been. There's a there's a weird paradox though between the 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 guy in, at the top being distant from the, to some extent distant from the daily kind of workings and the decision making of you know the average mm. person, mm. but at the same time he's a representative, and they feel that even kind of. Um, spiritual or ceremonial kind of connection that at least look for the big decisions, for the macro level decisions. Who do we go to war with? Who do we make treaties with? Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. We've got someone looking at the maslaha of the whole ummah or a large uh, amount of them. But on on a, on an actual practical day to day business level, uh, it seems historically, and I'm no historian, but the the majority of the ummah was just so in, it had their own independent kind of governors little city states or tribal areas or whatever but they had that ceremonial figure that they paid homage to and the the thing is the bigger you get the harder it is to you know intervene and control people's direct kind of um 
uh, affairs and, and government. So the Prophet ﷺ, he kind of spearheaded this, it seems. I mean, we were just talking about Sheikh Abdul Haq Buli's article that you, you, you uh, mashallah, you, you, you sent over. Uh, amazing, really opened my eyes in terms of the the detail with which the Prophet ﷺ did things and governed certain things, right? Um, you know, that he had certain people, scribes, to, you know, take down certain treaties and scribes to do this and that and, um, you know, people appointed to collect zakah and jizya and people appointed to um, judge people's disputes, etc., etc. So he had all the, the kind of, the trappings that we ha- what we understand now of a, of a modern kind of government. I don't want to say state because that has its own kind of, but you get what I mean, right? Um and one of those things was he 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 sent governors, and he he, he pioneered appointed, appointed the, yeah. governors. Yes. He pioneered this this thing of you know regional mm. kind of uh, governance and stuff. And it's impossible practically for him to, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, you know, directly communicate. So there would there would be a such a degree for the majority of our history, a degree of autonomy. You know, things only get escalated to the Khalifa. If maybe people are upset with the governor, they want to overthrow him or whatever. So that's a kind of so. There's that. It seems that like a kind of pragmatic system where, in order for life to just exist, for for societies to be safe and successful and prosperous, you do need to have someone, not one person, but you need to have people representing uh, other people. And 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 the further up you go. The bigger the, the 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 size of that polity, the less kind of interference there is in every, everyone's daily daily life. So the, the, there needs to be some of this needs to be crystallised. Mm. The danger of calling it there's a it, it's a pragmatic system could mm. imply that anything will do as long as it meets the ends, and that isn't necessarily true. Um, and certainly it isn't necessarily the sunnah, if you like, right? Um, so you've you've pointed out <coughs> some really important things. What what is the sunnah mm. in ruling? Right, um, so the, the 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 Khalifa is the Khalifa. He is the he is the leader. He is the Amir of the Mu'minin. And over thirteen centuries, the Amir could be like Sayyidina Umar bin Khattab, who was the second Khalifa mm-hmm. of the Muslims, who ruled over a vast vast area geographically in those days without telephones and Zoom calls and airplanes and fast road connections and text messages and stuff like that, right? Mm. So, and and he is undisputedly the Amir of the Mu'mineen, right? There's no ambiguity that he's ceremonial or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, the Khalifa is the Amir, and Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi also, as you rightly say, mm. didn't even attempt to govern the affairs of the Muslims on his own. He had assistants, uh, Abu Bakr and Umar, may Allah be pleased with them both. Mm. He referred to them as his, his, his ministers, Wazirain. He said he has two in the, in the earth and two in the heavens, with, meaning the angels. Mm. So, uh, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So, so he had people to assist him with the day-to-day running. So Abu Bakr and Umar, may Allah be pleased with them, used to solve problems and then mm. come back and consult with the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He used to appoint governors, right? But he would appoint them. They weren't, they weren't kind of uh, in his day. They weren't mm-hmm. um, like elected. But there was a very interesting relationship. He would appoint governors, 
But actually, if people complained about those governors, he would actually remove them. Mm. So he understood, really, he showed us the concept of authority mm. has to be a trusting relationship between the ruler and the ruled. Okay? And that's what bay'ah is in its essence. It's from the even the, the root ba'wa'ayn. But bay'ah is not given to the wali. Yeah. Bay'ah is given to the khalifa. Mm. And the khalifa appoints the wali. So the wali is, if you like... Delegated by mm. the Khalifa to, to do the job yeah. And actually the Wali could be ruling by Sharia He could be ruling justly mm. right? But he could have lost the trust of the people for other reasons And then there's an example when uh, a, a tribe I think there was a tribe called uh, Abdul Qais they were called They came to the Messenger of Allah وسلم, And they complained yeah, to him yeah. about their Wali And the Prophet mm. removed that Wali and appointed a new one and just just gave the wali the advice look after mm. look after them like treat the 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 respected mm. people from abdul qais properly otherwise he yeah. didn't say this in the narration but the implication being otherwise you don't have those trust of those leaders they're going to come back to me and i'm going to yeah. have to appoint another one basically yes mm. so what you're saying is right in the sense that the, the Sunnah example shows that the Amir doesn't rule by himself. So in, in the modern world where we have a Muslim mm. majority world stretching from uh, Indonesia in the Far East to Morocco in the, in the West, uh, with the great technology that we have mm. that ties people together much more easily, you'd still have to practically, whoever is the Khalifa in Jerusalem, Inshallah, in Batul Maqdis, <laughs> will we'll still appoint walis. Or in right? Haru. In, <laughs> no, the, this is based on hadith, yeah. you know, that the future capital of Khilafah yeah. will be in, in Batul Maqdis. Uh, so, uh, Inshallah, so we pray we yeah. see that. So, so in this respect, you're right. You're, you're also right, but, but this really is not, I mean, this is a different question, mm. that there's always the risk that the ruler or the, Amir in any given situation, the head teacher in a school, um, can become distanced from the grassroots. Mm-hmm. That's that's a reality that can happen, right? It didn't happen with Sayyidina Omar. And and he made sure that didn't happen. Yeah. He was walking the streets at night to know what's happening on the ground, if you like. So mm-hmm. so these are examples from the Khulafa Rashidun that we have to learn from. Yeah. Because yeah. because we meaning the the Muslims in future. What do you think of the discussion so far, folks? Interesting. Let us know in the comments what you think. There's a great, there's great, so much, uh, so many lessons about leadership just generally that we learn from the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam from the first, uh, you know, rightly guided caliphs. And it's 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 a big kind of shock to the system if somebody is just absorbed. A particular notion of because we're sitting here in the UK, where we've absorbed so much um, baggage from uh, Roman Judeo-Christian kind of tradition of what a leader is, what a ruler is. You know, went from the emperor to the you know divine right of kings to God's kind of representative on earth in terms of you know whatever I say goes. This is this is what God wants, whatever the Pope or the, the King or whatever. And this is very di- a very different model to that. And, and this baggage is something mm. that affects us all around the world, isn't it? You, mm. If you travel to Muslim-majority countries, people in their mm. lifetimes, they've only ever known one way of governance. 
yeah. to which which Iron is, fist. Yeah, well, <laughs> but 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 actually, okay, they've only ever known one model of governance mm. to look up to, right? Which is the Western democratic model, mm. yeah. Like we saw in Washington in January, where where a guy with a moose's outfit goes yeah. into into. I mean, I'm ridiculing that because it it does so show you. Khuruj against the ruler. And, and we live in the UK, where we mm. see it close up all its flaws. Really, we we see how a working mm. democracy works. When you go, one of the beautiful things about that article and any other article, really, mm. really authentic article about Islamic polity politics, the the example of the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam as a mm. ruler. Is that look back to your own tradition, not so that you go back to riding on camels and in the dust and this kind of nonsense that people. No, look back to the example, and think authentically what comes from that. What mm. think of your own <clears throat> lessons and principles that come from that. Don't try and make that fit onto what you've been colonized into thinking is the right way of uh, of ruling. Mm. And that's one of the very nice things about the article, and. Just would clarify one thing, which I'm sure you, what you said it, uh, is correct about there needing to be an Amir because actually you can't function without an Amir. But the hadith I mentioned before mm. and other hadith as well. I mean, there's some things Islamically. Sorry, that sorry, are, sorry, sorry. Yeah. The, the, the hadith mm. I mentioned before and the other hadith, they, they actually specify the fact that there needs to be a ruler for the Muslims, right? That there needs to be one ruler. An imam. An imam, yeah. one and one, and very strong mm. sanction for the, the the Muslims if they you know start dividing. Under I mean, there are one. certain things which are ta'abudiyah, right? That that are related to um, that the, the 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 means which Allah subhanahu wa taala intended in particular. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like for example, that you need someone to give you know um, salah, for example, right? Uh, even on a on a local level, but even on a someone who is um, leading uh, uh, the the Muslims in Hajj, yes. someone who is yes. the, the the representative who uh, has Islamically a normative kind of um, status from the text of the Quran, Sunnah, from the the understanding of the scholars that you know this person has a religious I don't like the word anyway but uh, function to do with worship to do with actual things that are not based on not contingent on time and place and and, and, and norms and so forth so the, these but there's the other angle as well right? these things like you say Hajj I mean yeah. Hajj the, the Rasulullah sallam, used to appoint somebody as the Amir mm. of Hajj and the Khulafa used to appoint somebody as the Amir mm. of Hajj from from the, they were the ones who appointed yeah. it the 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 Prophet وسلم, was ordered yes. by Allah to take the sadaqah, take the zakat, mm. Yes, Allah says mm. in Surah Tawbah, and and the Khulafa used to take the zakat and and make sure it's distributed according to the mm. Quranic categories. The I mentioned this to you in discussion beforehand. That one of the one of the Turkish nationalists who who voted against. The mm -hmm. abolition of Khilafah did so on the grounds that the Muslims would be up in arms. He said, "He said they will not think their Jumma prayer is valid, yeah. because certainly amongst the Hanafi ulema in the in the who were dominant in the Ottoman state, 
the Jum'ah prayer was contingent on there being a Khalifa to be valid. They yeah. never said subsequently, don't pray your Jum'ah. They, we, we all pray our Jum'ah. But they, what they did say was, yeah. you should pray your Dhuhr as well, your Furaqah, yeah. Fard for Dhuhr as well, because that Jum'ah may not suffice for you, yeah. right? And, and, and so, even outside the Hanafi tradition, there are yeah. some scholars who up to until this day, they would pray Dhuhr after they after. did the Jum'ah khutbah, after yes. they yes. prayed uh, Jum'ah and they yeah. prayed Dhuhr as well. So there is that Ta'abudi kind of yes. uh, element certainly there. Uh, but in terms of, because you understand, obviously, that riding camels is different to you know, leading prayer. Yeah. Uh, but the issue is, where do you join that line? And okay. that line is drawn by definition. It's going to be um, an ishtihadi issue. Some people say it's here. Some people say it's there. And I think understanding that that difference uh, or how to deal with that different, different groups, different organizations, different schools of thought, sure. different scholars and so forth, we need to recognize that. And I think this is part of the you know, how can we regain some kind of unity or how did the disunity happen? A very key part of that is Muslims on a local and a national, international, whatever level, not knowing or not properly dealing with yeah. their variety, their their differences, you know, inflating small differences into huge ones, making huge ones in negligent. Neg uh, uh, negligent. Um, I think that is a key So if you're saying you know, area. that some people think <clears throat> that we must have a Khalifa for the Muslims, but really predominantly that Khalifa should be there just because our Jummah should be valid and just so that he can appoint an Amir of Hajj and just so that we fulfill this prophetic command to give bay'ah to a Khalifa and we don't die sinful because mm -hmm. of that. Like, if you like, the last Ottoman Khalifa, uh, Sultan Abdul Majid II, who was reduced to a figurehead ruler, I would say, if somebody's calling for that, I would say, why would you call for that? Because when Rasulullah yeah, mentioned fi bayati, al fil awal, fulfill the bay'ah, he preceded that by talking about Banu Israel used to be ruled and governed mm. by their prophets. Or in another hadith where Rasulullah <coughs> mentioned to us about our own responsibility, right, mm. in, in doing things. Uh, and he talked about um, al, uh, the Imam. Um, he said, Muhammad, Alaq. أَلَا كُلُّكُمْ رَائِنْ وَكُلُّكُمْ مَسْعُودٌ عَنْ رَائِيَتِهِ فَالْإِمَامُ الَّذِي عَلَى النَّاسِ رَائِنْ The imam over the mm -hmm. rules over the people is a guardian and he'll be asked about what is his responsibility. Yeah, okay? yeah. On uh, every stage, and that's every the thing. And the, the man over his house yes, is the imam of and the house. إِنَّمَا الْإِمَامُ جُنَّةِ The imam is a shield. يُقَاتِلُوا مِنْ وَرَاهِهِ وَيُتَّقَى بِهِ you fight behind him and you mm. protect yourself by him. Mm. Okay? And many, many, many more examples like this where it's explicit that this ruler had the function to look after people, whether it's their life, their security, their mm. wealth and poverty, their education and health, 
this fell on not just the spiritual things. So Abdul Hamid Athani, may Allah have mercy on him, arguably the last Khalifa who exercised that uh, that uh, that authority to do that and tried to do that to the best of his ability. So these are. So I understand what you're mm. saying that some people will say, okay, we need to have a Khalifa, but if you get into the nitty gritty of looking after people's affairs and running roads and hospitals and stuff, then what is there for, you know, is that really what we want? And the, the answer to that is, yes, according to the Sunnah, that mm. is what you want. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Now, you could say that... But it's about the how and the why. Okay, right? so, so that's a different, so, that's the, a different matter. But, but we're clear that ruling Khilafah mm. Is not just a spiritual thing like Abdul Majid II, may Allah have mercy on him, yeah. was. Yeah. Um, but so it depends what you mean, right? So the Khalifa, as a as a figurehead, as a person, he has some things which are to Abudiya, they have some, some um, functions which they have to be carried out by a single person, right? Uh, or, you know, delegate, he, he can delegate to the XYZ person. But some of the functions are matters of um matters of means to an end right? zakat yeah does this fall under your definition of it depends it depends zakat. again even zakat zakat it's is... a broad thing okay. zakat of you see every hukum has different things attached to it different manat right so zakat in terms of zakat in and of itself as a pillar zakat in terms of uh, the the details of collection Who's collecting it? From whom is it collected? Uh, who is it distributed ultimately, to? So ultimately, who is, yeah. who is responsible for that? We all are. No, no, no. Right? Uh, ultimately, who... Okay. <laughs> that's, that's the thing. So, who's so, responsible for giving so, it or so, who's responsible so the, for it not so, being given so if it were? Within, within yeah. the Sharia, there are things which are left to me yeah. where I am accountable to Allah for. And there are things as a collective yeah. where we have an Amir who is responsible for that? That is the method yeah. by which it is taken. Mm. So, when the tribes refuse to pay the zakat after the passing of the Messenger, mm. yes, Abu Bakr didn't say that's between them and Allah mm. because that would, have, uh, that would have meant he was failing in his duty as the yeah. Amir of the Mu'mini. Talking about the how. So electronically taking it from your bank account or using an app or oh, no, that are, kind of those stuff. Those are all That's legitimate. No, so, those are all legitimate yeah. ways of doing it. But, so, but if somebody didn't do it, then it's the political authority mm. that is responsible for. So yeah. do, do you, I mean, but who's responsible if that political uh, authority is failing? Then we, then That's we, all, what I'm saying, we yeah. all are. We all so, are. Then yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, so yes, the thing are. is. It's, I love going into these details just to test where the line is for different people and yeah. what, what, you know, what yeah. they're thinking and stuff. Yeah. But the, I think the moral of the story is um, you and another person and another person might, and me might have 10 ideas amongst ourselves about where exactly the line is. Right? But it could be. Honestly. When it comes to, that's the thing between, uh, and I think this, uh, I'm laboring this point because I think it's very crucial to the, 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 the moving forward of the Ummah. And I think it's one of the, many people think it's one of the, one of the many reasons for the downfall of the Khilafah itself, right? Of us not recognizing or not treating differences where they need to belong. So there's the, 
when any 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 hukum, any any agreement two people have or disagreement they have, it could be on two levels. You can you can you can um, uh, split it up, right? One is the actual they call it al ijtihad al-ta'siliya, yeah, ta'sili. You know the actual what is the theoretical hukum? How much is zakah, for example? And there's a and the 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 second level of disagreement can occur on okay, how do we implement that? Into this particular country or society or whatever, sure. I don't want to use the car because that's bit, well, anything no, no, and halal but, meat, for but, example. But so, yeah. so if we're if we're talking about the difference between uh, a collector of zakat mm. going out and going to village by village and collecting it, right, yeah. versus electronically, mm. right, this is about the means by which you're doing it, right. But not but, the means. No, no. Okay, I'm talking but, about any implementing okay, anything you but, have theoretically. The, the into point real I'm life. making that is that on yeah. the issue of zakat, just as an example, right? It's the Sharia that says, and the examples from the Sharia that reinforce yeah. this. That from our, the, from the history of ruling, yeah. that reinforce this. That ultimately, Khalifa needs to be there. The political authority is there to make sure it's yeah. done. That's the method the Sharia gave for that. But the thing is, that's what I'm trying to differentiate. Yeah. So, because a lot of our discourse, especially in the Dawa domain and activism, mm. is primarily focused on that first uh, region. Mm. What's the theoretically? What is the truth? Here's the truth. I can write it down in a hundred lines, or whatever. You know, this is the ruling on that. This yeah. is the ruling on yeah. that. And differences that occur there, they are somewhat yeah, serious. Yeah. If you, if you, fun, depending on how fundamental that thing is and the consequences, but there's a whole level of how do you how do you implement that in let's real life? Let's take these yeah. these few essential things yeah. from the Sharia and how do you implement that? How do you concretize and, it in and, real absolutely. life? Absolutely, yeah. and that's going to be very. Mm. Uh, that's going to be something which is open to discussion, open to debate, mm. open actually open to thought because. Yeah. The, the, the differences in different parts of the world might make the reality mm. different on how you do that. And that could, that could be, could be uh, in, in a future khilafah or in a past mm. khilafah done centrally or done locally. It could be that you have, you have the wula, yeah. the governors. And I'm, I'm not talking about khilafah, I'm just talking about anything generally in terms of Muslims getting yeah. along and yeah. practically just... Surviving and thriving and flourishing as societies. So, in terms of if you and I disagree, for example, on whether a piece of chicken is halal, yeah. right? So, That's about that piece of chicken. It's about it's, an objective it's, it's study. Yes. It's filtering through our yes. own cognitive. But if we all decide, let's go out and eat a halal meal, yeah, we might have a difference of what kind of meal exactly. we're going to eat. And do we have that? The, what I think what we need to focus on is that maturity to recognize that you and I can sit on the same table. You're eating something which, in my opinion, is haram, but in your opinion, is halal. Now, somebody who is primarily focused on just the theory, they'll be like, oh, haram, halal, halal, haram. How can you be eating haram? And but we're recognizing, no, no, no. We're not talking about, I am eating haram, full stop. No. I have to judge you according to what you understand that piece of meat to be, for example. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. That's the thing I think we need to focus on. Yeah. Uh, and the thing which, so which we, 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 we're losing, when, I think, when sometimes. You, so that, that definitely when mm. you and I meet each other sometimes and we meet with other people, we don't mm. always share the same views, right? We don't always share the mm. same opinions. I've, you and I have been to places where people pray and some will com combine their Dhar and Asr because yeah. they're yeah. travelers and others will not. 
mm. these kind of things. And I don't think that guy's asar is batil because <laughs> because he 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 combined it. Mm. Uh, he prayed in dhuhr time. I don't think like that. Yeah, you don't yeah. think like that. Yeah. But 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 um, the some people do. Some people do, and uh, that is a failure to understand the context of legitimate ikhtilaf mm. in fiqh, right? And some people also cross over a boundary of what's legitimate ijtihad in fiqh, mm. and they think anything goes based on their intention, mm. right? So we started this conversation, this part of this conversation mm. with... <clears throat> whether the Khalifa should be just a spiritual figurehead or a practically a political ruler, it's really hard to justify the spiritual figurehead through a legitimate... Truth, uh, normally the truth is some, somewhere in the middle. Sure, but it's... it's, yeah. it's, it's to, 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 well, the truth <laughs> may be somewhere in the middle, yeah. but the point is it's very hard to justify the Khalifa as a spiritual yeah. uh, figurehead from any objective reading of the texts. The I Quran don't think anyone... I mean, I haven't ever come across anyone who's saying that. That's a kind of extreme, you know. Well, that was someone... that was a debate. Yeah. That was a debate post the mm. abolition of the Khilafah, when there were some debates mm. in the Muslim world, in Egypt, in the Middle East, about appointing a new Khalifa. The point was that he should just be the figurehead, because otherwise, mm. these Muslims around the world. Are I know the feel... I know the term Khalifa is often used as heads of kind of spiritual orders, maybe or. Um, kind of subgroups and stuff. And, and that no, no, is a, it wasn't a, that. A it was, there were debates in the Muslim yeah. world about whether or not people like the Sharif of Mecca mm. should be the new Khalifa or somebody else, yeah. and that they would be given uh, a bay'ah by the Muslims to be mm. the Khalifa. But actually, their role would the the yeah. their mm. role would be purely spiritual, not political, mm. almost like the Pope. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry to butt in again, but just a reminder. Hit that subscribe button if you're into this kind of stuff. And if you're not, hit that dislike button twice. So going back to, so just for, for, for the audience maybe to, to, to follow. Uh, and myself and, to follow. And those were clearly. false debates, yeah. by the way. Those were, yeah. What happened? What went wrong? I mean, up till that point. Yeah. So, I mean, we're talking about 100 yeah. years now post-abolition. Yeah. And obviously different people, different readings of history, mm. they'll put that date mm. Maybe a fifty, hundred years earlier, or mm. whatever, depending on. So, so what, what happened on yeah. the twenty eighth of Rajab, thirteen forty two, the third of March, nineteen twenty four, mm-hmm. was the 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 National Assembly in Ankara, which had been given the political power, which used to be in the hands of the Khalifa, uh, just just a year beforehand, um, passed a resolution to formally abolish the Khilafa, to expel the Khalifa from. Uh, what was then in Istanbul, he mm-hmm. was in Istanbul, um, and to declare itself a republic where Islam basically had no <clears throat> place in the ruling system at all, which was something which was utterly alien to the Ottoman period. It was a, it, that, That's what happened on that day. That was the end point to a whole series of things. Mm. So anyone who looks at the, the tail end of the Ottoman period after World War I, one entered in 1918 um, and, and looks at the tail end of that we'll see a whole series of events mm. where power was going from the old ruling elite into this new group of people that had set themselves up in Ankara as nationalists and uh, and basically republicans mm. 
the, the last Sheikh al-Islam of the Ottoman Khilafah was called Sheikh Mustafa Sabri. May Allah give him, may Allah have mercy mm. on him. Amen. And he, he said the Khilafah was destroyed by the, uh, the twin swords of atheism and nationalism, right? What he had noticed, and it's actually very well documented now, is that in the preceding decades, there was a rise of secular thought um, and nationalistic thought, both amongst Turks, so there was Turkish nationalism, and amongst Arabs. So by secular thought and nationalism, you're, you're referring to the influence of Euro, Europe and Eurocentrism, uh, yeah, kind of philosophy and thinking. Sheikh Mbhani, he wrote a book called Dawla Islamia. Um, and it's a, it's a very short book and it's a very easy book to read. Uh, if it has a weakness, the weakness is that it's not referenced. But I've found over recent years that when I read that bit, which talks about the demise of the Khilafah, it's very easy to mm. find references for what he's saying on the web. So he describes how there's an influx of missionaries to the Khilafah from uh, the United States and Europe in the kind of 17, 1800s. Um, initially to places like Malta, but later on into Bilad al-Sham and Egypt. Mm. And some of the ones he's named, Eli Smith, Cornelius Van Dyke, well documented, you can read about them, very famous Christian missionaries who came, learned Arabic, um, and started engaging a relationship with Christians within the Khilafah. Famous ones include people like Butras Bustani and Nasif al-Zawaji, I think his name is. Okay, Again, very easy to find their names mm. uh, and, and research who they are and what they did. And you can see this adoption of ideas which are based on Western Enlightenment thinking. Um, and... Um, they moved from a missionary sort of process to setting up uh, cultural and educational establishments in the Khilafah. Um, and some of those Arab uh, Christians started mm. promoting Arab nationalism, <clears throat> started promoting the idea that actually religion shouldn't have a part in governance, which is alien to the Ottoman tradition, of, absolutely. And similar things were happening in the Turkish-speaking areas of the Khilafah as well. So... Even in the time mm. of, uh, before Abdul Hamid, some of the brothers and sisters watching should read about the Khalifa Abdul Aziz, who was preceded Abdul Hamid. He was Abdul Hamid's uncle. Um, Abdul Aziz was said to have committed mm. suicide, all right? But it's widely believed that he was murdered. And if you read about the circumstances of his suicide so-called suicide it's it's a bizarre suicide it's a kind of dr mm. david kelly type suicide <laughs> it's like you know too many questions okay mm. people in his governing council his advisors were pro-british pro-secular ministers you see photographs of them long beards mm -hmm. rumi dobies like all those kind of things looking like classic ottomans but they had been affected by secular thought and yeah. they were trying to drive the khalifa down a road to more the same kind of language that we see in mm. Europe adopted towards Turkey today. You need to modernize. You need to I mean, change. That's your precisely what it is: the modern, the European modernity creeping into um, the, the the kind of Ottoman aristocracy and but and, and but the the, the decline wasn't just in terms of these missionary invasions and these political shenanigans. The, mm. the, the, these were there. There were two other elements which were kind of were there, which broke the camel's back. One 
was us as the ummah. You know, the decline in, in Islamic thought mm-hmm. in centuries was was big. The, the, the time of the Ottomans, they, the Ottomans did very great things, but they were not. Uh, they were not. One one thing they were not was they were not um, drawing upon the well of. Islam and its aqidah and its ahkam and its solutions to human problems to solve mm. their problems. They got to the state where they were trying to mimic what the West was doing. And yeah. and, and so the decline I mean, that, in that's, Islamic that's, thought... That's, 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 that's something that... I don't know if it's a trope against them or it's certainly something that I've heard and read that the Ottomans didn't focus much on... Um, Preserving and flourishing the intellectual tradition, and, and there's many reasons for that. Kind of I mean, military not, and power, yeah, and economics and stuff. There's there's many reasons for that. I mean, like mm. I'm not an Arab speaker, right? Uh, but actually, you you only have to have some taste of the Arabic language mm. to know that actually to really draw upon the wealth in the Sharia texts, it requires to be have a Arabic mm. to be a Strong and the decline in Arabic had started way before, mm. and the Ottomans were not an Arab-speaking society. The ulama were, but the the majority of thinkers and people were not. And these things are matter. Yeah. The, the other thing that broke the camel's back were external things. So Abdul Hamid, may Allah have mercy on him, had to deal with a war in the Balkans and different secessionists trying to break away. And then mm. ultimately, you get after his time, World War One, and World War One is a disaster. World War One, the, the, the Western powers thought that the Khilafah was going to be so weak that they'd win within a year, right? They'd destroy the, the Allies, Britain, France, Russia. They thought mm. they'd destroy the Khilafah within a year. Three years down the line, they were thinking about how do we, how do we make peace with the Ottoman state. Had it not been for the Americans intervening in World War One. um the Khilafah may not have fallen. Mm-hmm. Had it not been for traitors within the Khilafah, like Sharif Hussein in Mecca, who uh, who spearheaded an Arab revolt, which meant the Ottomans had to fight on more than one front. Yeah. And they were having to defend all kinds of areas which they should never have had to defend. They should never have had to defend Jerusalem. or Sorry, they should never have had to defend Mecca, Medina, Hijaz, uh, in, in the way they had to, mm. and so lose Jerusalem, Damascus, and Baghdad. Yeah. And also, you know, there was a, on many fronts in terms of, um, I don't like blaming anything, everything on kind of colonialism, but there were, there was pressure in India, in, in British India, uh, to, to, for, you know, um, for fatwas to be given against, uh, uh, you know, the Ottomans and allegiance to be sworn to the colonizers and so forth. So there was pressure of, you know, all the frontiers kind of uh, breaking away and 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 um, come kind of um, anti-Ottoman sentiment being fermented. Um, my question is: Do you think that the Ummah got too big for the Ottomans to handle? Uh, no, I don't. I don't think that that's the case because actually, if you if you take, I mean, the the Ottoman state at mm. its at its peak was huge and manageable. <laughs> yeah, that was well ruled. It was there are good examples. That's the thing of, with a peak, though, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's followed sure, by a trough. <laughs> sure. So so, but but I don't think it's that. I think it mm. is more. It is more that the, there is a and, and Abdul Hamid, may Allah have mercy. And one of the reasons we always remember Abdul mm. Hamid as a great Khalifa is that he actually tried very hard yeah. to try and 
re-establish some kind of order and he did he did ex- extraordinarily mm. in in mm. terms in terms of in, in terms of the circumstances that he faced mm. internally and externally but th- what happened in 1924 was was a disaster and it was an end point of a long process and the other thing was so it wasn't that like everything was fine and then no not at all not at all and people did see it yeah. and and the other thing salman is as muslims our nature is very trusting we see things happening mm. Have you ever heard of? You must have heard of Ahmed Shauqi. Ahmed Shauqi is mm. is is called the is known as the prince of poetry in Egypt. Right? He's a very mm. famous Arab poet in the early part of the 20th century. Shauqi wrote verse praising Mustafa Kemal, praising Mustafa Kemal because he saw him as a great military leader who defeated the British at Gallipoli. Who defeated the Greeks in the 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 war against Greek Greece, right? Mm. When Mustafa Kemal abolished the Khilafah, Shoki was shocked. He was like, uh, he was in trauma. He's written he's written a verse which is one of the most famous eulogies to the Khilafah. Very moving. People who read it, they're in tears mm. reading this. Okay. When he wrote it, Mustafa Sabri, the same last Mufti of the Khilafah, like said now you're mourning it now you criticize Mustafa Kemal but some of us could see this coming from before some of us could see the trajectory that Mm. the young Turks and the nationalists and the secularists were going on others saw them as a means to an end they thought you know what these guys are trying to regain some prestige and power to the Khilafah many pro-Islamic pro-Caliphate people thought even the Young Turks were doing something good, or Mustafa mm. Kemal was doing something good, mm. until they saw the final knife being stabbed in, and then they realized the magnitude of what had happened in retrospect. And Muslims can be very trusting and make excuses for people when perhaps they ought to be looking at much more scrutiny. And if we're talking about Khilafah and ruling, mm. you know the Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he's a Nabi of Allah, he's a Rasul Allah. His, his status amongst his companions was, I think, couldn't even look him in the eyes, some of them. So mm. overawed with respect for him, they were. Mm. Yet, yet, there are examples where they questioned him. And they asked him why he's doing something and why he's not doing something else. Mm. Right? Even with him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, as his political, as their political leader and prophet, they're willing to ask him questions. They're willing to scrutinize. And more so with the Khulafai Rashidun. Mm. Right? So when Abu Bakr an was about to send armies in all directions, people were questioning him. Why do this? Why not do this? And Umar an is the Khalifa. People are asking him, why mm. are you fixing the mahar for women? Why are you, you know, they're questioning him. Mm. Accountability <clears throat> is something that works two ways. We as an ummah need to be accounting our leaders. Mm-hmm. And the leaders, anyone in any position of leadership needs to be willing to be questioned, scrutinized and accounted. That culture is gone. That culture, you know, either we're too deferential to our leaders yeah. or we're too, too merciful, if you like. We, too, we make too many excuses for brothers that we respect mm-hmm. and we don't give nasiha an account. Yes. Or we put ourselves in a position of authority and we can't take criticism. Mm, okay, mm. we can't take uh, scrutiny. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and that culture needs to 
exist within Muslims, definitely. Mm, definitely, yeah. I mean, um, it was part of um, uh, Jahangir's uh, um, report for the Ayan Institute on you know reviving a new civilization, building a new civilization of Islam. Uh, he mentioned something that shocked me in terms of the actual numbers, right? So he's saying something like, "The population of Pakistan now is bigger than the entire Ottoman, you know, yeah, <laughs> caliphate because just human populations human they population kind of shot up yes. in twentieth um, century." Um, so this is a question, kind of elephant in the room. Anytime there's a discussion about Khilafah historically, and, and that is, what would it look like today? What could a Khilafah look like tomorrow in the future? Um, because we recognize the whole continuum between do exactly everything as historically someone did versus oh you know they didn't drink pepsi they drove drove they didn't drive cars and they worked in camels and stuff and ultimately everyone's going to have a different kind of every mm. group or mm. ijtihad it's going to have a different line that they've drawn different masalin issues what's your view about what a khilafah would look like in the age of yeah you know 10 billion human beings on earth maybe 2 billion plus muslims that's a lot of people to govern yeah so th thought thought on this matter starts with mm. the, the 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 ideal and the ideal is made up of the absolute pillars and red lines which may be of mm. a few and the sunan because we draw our example from the rasul sallallahu said yeah, to us to take his sunnah and the Sunnah of the Khulafa Rashidun as the as examples for mm. us. So some of those will be part of the red lines and pillars, the the wajibat, and some of those will be great examples for us to follow, right? And then mapping that on the world we live in today is what you're talking about, really, mm. isn't it? It's because how you map that on. Because you, yeah. you know what you said before about. Pragmatically, it's impossible for one person to, you know, directly um, govern reach. without assistance, yeah, without, without governors, without, without governors delegating so. authority. Yes, but that's not the case now, is it? I mean, theoretically speaking, you can build some kind of electronic surveillance system or automated system where every human, every citizen of the caliphate can actually directly, you know. Um, send a message to the Khalifa or say, I think we should do this or um, I disagree with you on yeah, that. Or... But uh, Khalifa, Khilafah is not uh, YouGov. Mm. <laughs> it's, it's government. It's not YouGov, right? Its job is to look after people's affairs. Its job is to implement the necessary yeah. rulings of Islam. One man can't look after the affairs of... Leadership is yeah. unitary, <clears throat> Right. But author, but 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 actually, the the administration of that has to be, by definition, has to be delegated either either by task, like Rasulullah used to do in no to people, <laughs> uh, has to be either like Rasulullah mm, did with so his close companions in Mecca, or geographically by governors. Mm. Okay, so that has to happen. So uh, khilafa, what a khilafa would look like in the world today is you will have. A capital, yeah. and you will have uh, uh, wilayat. You will have provinces, mm. right? And some of the matters would be uh, looked after necessar necessarily would be in the 
directly managed by the Khalifa. Others would be delegated, but the responsibility stops with the Khalifa. So if you just let somebody get on with it and doing it badly, that's that's no good. He has to be mm. pursuing what's happening in different places and, and looking and scrutinizing how well are people being governed. Mm. Accountability... In, I mean, I can only describe what is our model, if you like, yeah. based on these things. So the, the, in, in our model, we would have, like we say, provinces, governorships. Accounting the Khalifa centrally would be a ruling council of, uh, um, not ruling council, a shura council, Majlis al-Ummah, mm. where people are elected to it, right? And their so job would be to... from sp- each country or each region, you'd think? So Could be like from each region, yes. Like it should be... It should, like an EU kind of thing. It for, should be, and and within each region, you should be electing the Ahlul Halwa al-Aqad to account the Wali, mm. right? And accountability shouldn't just be down to these people. Accountability, there should be political parties in the Ummah that is accounting the ruler. The yeah. ulema should be scrutinizing and counting the ummah. The media, the, in, the media should be part of that independence that is accounting and scrutinizing politicians, yeah. right? Not tabloid tittle-tattle, not Harry and Meghan, <laughs> yes? Not rubbish like that. Speaking but, of Harry and Meghan, yeah, just kidding. No, me. but it's a joke. It's, 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 it's a joke. You know when they talk about yeah. a free media in the West, right? A free media is what sells papers. Harry and Meghan sells papers, but looking at the failure of the government to provide yeah. PPE and test and trace in looking after the affairs of its citizen doesn't yeah. sell papers. Right? One is about the personal lives of people, which really has no place in the public eye. The other is about government accountability, and media yeah. should be scrutinizing that. So should it be in the Khilafah. And, and the other thing which is very important in any model that we have is, remember, in Khilafah, judiciary is independent of the executive. The ulama. The ulama, mm. the judges, and the judges have... Bay'ah is a contract, right? Mm. The ruler agrees to rule by kitab and sunnah, most beautifully expressed by Sayyidina Abu Bakr when he said, obey me as long as I obey Allah and his messenger. And if I disobey Allah mm. and his messenger, you have no obedience uh, to me. Okay, mm. um, And the, the ones who are ruled have to accept that person as their ruler, as their government, look and obey mm. the laws laws of the of the land based on sharia but if if there's a conflict between them the judiciary can come in and if the yeah. if the khalifa has broken his bay'ah contract yes he can be removed he can be he can yeah. be removed there's no there's no and that's how our system should work and mm-hmm. if the if the majlis al ummah in a local district in a local wilaya have a vote of no confidence in their wali yeah the Khalifa, if he's following the Sunnah of Rasul he will change that wali, won't he? Because that's lost. He's lost the authority by definition. That's how yeah. it should work. The thing is, that I'm, I'm, that I'm thinking of is, I mean, today that would that is completely understandable, and and, and you'd assume, you know, hundred years ago, fifty years ago, that would be probably quite straightforward to actually achieve. But now, with the rise of the digital age, with the rise of, you know, you can manipulate a people's mind and turn them against a, a perfectly good yes you know yes governor or so you, 
you, you've identified yeah. you've identified one modern phenomenon, yeah. which is the propaganda, the propaganda. Uh, or highly sophisticated, mm. targeted, automated, yeah. Yeah. almost propaganda. And and propaganda existed. I mean, propaganda. Yeah. You you don't think that pamphlets that were being given out in the Ottoman days, which were uh, 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 rallying public opinion against the Khalifa. Well, it worked. It worked, didn't it? <laughs> yes, yes. So yeah. you're you're absolutely right. The the digital mm. age has changed. so data security mm. uh, is is something. In fact, our uh, being, but that's a cha- that's a challenge for all yeah, countries yeah, in the yeah. world today. And perhaps strangely, I mean, the the more. Um, inf- your information systems are are developed the more of an Achilles heel you potentially have, right? And, um, mm. and, and the, the more... I think Estonia is like a world leader in terms of everything is on, on the cloud yeah, for them. Yeah, but, but I mean... It, in government. It, and, it, strangely enough, yeah. in, in, in some parts of our, our Muslim world, we are, you know, we are behind on some mm. of these things. So we perhaps have less than an Achilles heel, but... You're 100% right. But if you see where power data, is, for example. Yeah, data security yeah. is something that that has, is, mm. has to be part of your security thinking in any modern day and age, any, any, any mm. polity, any state, any dawla islamia in the future has to be thinking about its... And, and that goes from everything, from mm. making your information systems secure. Your most modern day weapon systems are, are based on software. So, you know, US, yeah. US is not so scared of... China's tanks and planes, as it is of its ability to crash yeah, yeah. its its software. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. so those are all elements of. of the security. reason why I ask is because this is this is a question I put to Jahangir as well mm. about looking at a new civilization of Islam and what the future is. I'm always wondering, are we in in trying to imagine a, a, a kind of rectifying the situation of the Ummah? Are we kind of setting ourselves up for building something that? By the time we get there, it's going to be out of date, right? So, it, so it, for example, yeah. today when we're, we're looking at where does power lie, it lies in you know, governments, uh, nation states, uh, national assemblies, parliaments, all that kind of stuff. But like Apple, Google, Amazon, they're probably more powerful than many countries. They, they um, are. They are powerful in the sense that they have enormous yeah. uh, volumes of data. Um, and uh, and and that data carries, money control over people's lives but, but, potentially. But has it hasn't it to some extent? I mean, mm. if we if we were backtracking a hundred years, and I said to you, well, you know, uh, Rothschild or uh, a Rockefeller or mm. uh, uh, all the, the the big merchant banks in the, the the even even the Goldman Sachs's of this world and these kind of people existed. In some shape yeah. or form, so money and and actually they were the ones that loaned money to states to allow them to fight wars. Okay, the East India mm. Company was even a private company at one stage, wasn't it? So it's a, like it's it's a fighting yeah. its own wars. So so what you've got is a reality that exists in the world, which is that actually and mm. in the capitalist world particularly that these these things like governments and parliaments and uh, and senates and Congress are actually the ones with the real power no um and and even that's with, what i'm even saying with, so even with the data we, even with the data security thing even with the data mm. security thing if you look at the threat to the united states in terms of its elections or in terms of mm. britain with its um, brexit vote and stuff 
it's states like Russia that that people are questioning mm. whether they manipulated the outcome of these things. So these are real questions, yeah. okay? And and they I are, think it it requires us to rethink, you know, that why even why why because rethink? because because well, it, surely I mean it, ten, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, it would be a very sensible thing to say, you know what? Um we need to um build a um you know uh, in terms of country just ignore the impact of um the, the manipulation of human beings via sophisticated digital okay. Okay. electronic so, means uh, let me just finish the yeah, point yeah. Uh, but if you look say in 20 years time it's 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 very imaginable actually that amazon for example is doing all of the things that a government would normally do yeah so, historically governments would be in charge of a b c but now imagine what you know your fridge is 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 alerting you to uh or, or sending data or because this whole thing of the, this new okay. world order of, or what some people call surveillance capitalism it's based on the predict the predictability of future human action and if we're if our agency our so personal sovereignty is being removed then you know we need to i'm not saying i have the answer but we need to uh we need to have that on the radar such not just from a security it's point of view no, but, but where are the maybe the muslim versions of so, so hang on, for wait, example wait, wait. not uh, just from a security computers. point of view in the in the end in the end these are in the it's end, not a security in terms of amazon and i can probably other bunch of companies do the same they can predict your future behavior to such a uh, uh, an extent where you, the, the notion of your own personal decision making goes out the window so look all right um, let's let's uh, that's control over people's life they can they can subtly and electronically you know uh, you've made your point very yeah. eloquently now can i take over as host of the show <laughs> <laughs> so Let's break this down a little mm. bit because you've mashed loads of stuff into mm. one mm. Mm. rant. <laughs> <laughs> you've mashed loads of stuff. So the first element is, it is security. There is a security element, right? There is a security element. So, so any any state, Khilafa or China or mm. Russia or Britain or the United States, doesn't just have to think of. A cyberbug crashing its uh, health mm. IT systems or its air traffic network. All states have to think about that, or its military software. They also and companies. They, they also have to think about uh, how the politics of their country could be manipulated by this data. The markets in their company could be manipulated by this data. Opinions can be manipulated by this data, and this is something they are all mm. learning. So in China today, there is looking at like, do the Chinese really want their, you know, billion and a half plus citizens or billion and a half citizens mm. to be using uh, Google and, and WhatsApp and all these things, right, which are collecting their data and potentially going to be used against yeah. their population. That's why they have or their own do, versions. That's yeah. because yeah. they have their own versions. So. Yeah. What this tells you about is uh, for us as Muslims generally and Khilafah in particular or anyone in particular mm. is, is actually 
being self-reliant, when I say independent, I don't mean independent in the sense that you're going to cut yourself off from the world. Yeah. Yeah? You're not going to be a North Korea. But you have to be... What China's showing is that they can't rely on being networked into uh, and rely on the networks, which are either run by the US or run yeah. by US-based corporations. Yeah, that's... A, and that, yeah. that mentality... And in fact, the corporations that run the US. So even when we say state now or government... Governments have very little power in the face of, yeah. you know, Allah, these huge uh, when, corporations. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in the Quran, mm. that Allah doesn't allow that the disbelievers mm. have a way over the believers. It makes it incumbent on us that whether it's um, being self-reliant within the ummah on yeah, military yeah. technology or communication network trade. or trade or, yeah, yeah. or, or medicine, you know, Finance. I shouldn't have to rely, as a, mm. in the Khilafah, I shouldn't have to rely. I should, something like COVID, mm. I should work with the rest of the world on finding a cure, I should mm. finding a vaccine. But I should never rely on the US or Europe or, uh, or China to give in, give in my data away or giving mm. on that. So, so a fundamental concept mm. for Muslims to adopt is that where are our states going in terms mm. of self-reliance? Okay, where? And, and the, rather... That doesn't happen, except in a few places. So, mm. you know, you look at Pakistan and its historical conflict with India. It's forced Pakistan. It does buy huge amounts of military hardware from other countries. Yeah. But it has started to try and develop some of its own uh, uh, artillery and aircraft yeah. and tanks. and stuff. It started missiles. It started to try and do itself. And honestly speaking... A second-rate something that you've built yourself, which is a step on the road to being independent yeah. and self-reliant mm. in any way, whether it's the de the technology aspects you're talking about or other things, is unquestionably yeah. necessary. Unquestionably, yeah. and, and again, that 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 level of scrutiny. If you look, when people criticize, when we as Hizbut Tahrir criticize governments in the Muslim world for being lackeys, right? It's not just that they're not all like, you know, the Gulf states where they're literally almost like told what to do. They're also ones Soft that... Soft power. Yeah, they're mm. also those who <clears throat> think they're doing a good thing, but by embedding their systems in yeah. the current existing order, you're actually tying your own hand without realising yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Simple matter of currency. Mm. Look, mo most currencies in the Muslim world will be pegged to the dollar. Anything happens to the dollar, you're going to fear that your own currency is going down. Mm. Yeah, mm. you have effectively enslaved yourself to, or even you know, um, like what China's doing now all across the Muslim world, um, giving loans, and then when they default, you okay, okay, we'll own your utilities or your infrastructure Absolutely. or these bridges Absolutely. or these roads and that kind of yeah. stuff. And 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 mm. so. So this point, like, you know... It, and the same is for data. There's a po poverty of vision, mm. like Pakistan, Afghanistan. Like, there's a lot of talk about... I and mean, we've already seen the oil sucked dry out of the Middle East. Mm. The biggest oil-producing part of the world is in the Muslim world. Okay, there's a lot of discussion about where fuel uh, security is going in the future, whether or not it's going away from fossil fuels. Maybe that's one of the reasons okay. why. <laughs> but, but, what, but technology... Tablets, phones, other things rely on mm. lithium, nickel, 
These are in abundance in in some parts of the yeah, Muslim world. Yeah. Ch- China China has its eye on Pakistan, Afghanistan because mm. it's very mineral rich. These parts of the world, and they need these mm. minerals for this kind of technology going forward. We don't have a vision, a political vision in the Muslim world of how we would utilize mm. these because in origin these things are the ummas. They aren't private companies. Yeah, yeah. They are they are, they belong that. Wealth from that is part of the wealth that is circulated amongst the ummah to mm. solve problems, build hospitals, build roads. Yeah, right? yeah. It's not just zakat that we are expected to utilize. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it, That's yeah. a good answer. You make a good host. <laughs> good challenge. But uh, so, my, my, if you've been watching Salman's adverts, <laughs> don't give him any money. Uh, we accept other gifts as well Final reminder brothers and sisters I promise uh, A lot of you have graciously asked How we can support Islam Trinity How you can support is by clicking this button And donating £5 a month inshallah um, the, the, the the thing many people So we put a kind of question out on our social media And many people responded We asked how can Muslims unite globally today mm. Right. There were many interesting uh, answers, many, many thought-provoking things as well. And one thing that kept coming up again and again and again is how do we actually have the foster the ability mm. to unite despite differences? Um, people are break, giving break examples. Yeah. Okay, look at Syria, for example, when mm. the, the revolution was kind of mm. um, gaining momentum. Mm. Most, and not just Syria, this is, this is unfair to Afghanistan, um, Iraq, anywhere, anywhere there's destabilization, anywhere there's some kind of smaller groups, Libya, they're coming together, they're making some alliances, but then they start infighting, right? Where, where, whatever the causes are, external, internal, whatever, we seem to almost. Um, you know, automatically, when Muslim two Muslims get together, whether it's your local mosque, you know, committee members, election, someone gets into when when power kind of gets to your, our head, we tend to start infighting, and we can't seem to hold even kind of quote unquote Islamic groups, you know, overtly, uh, you know, Islamic in their messaging and so forth. We can't seem to remain in power without kind of starting uh, uh, aiming our guns at each other right how would how do we address this mm. because practically imagine Hezbollah Tahrir or whoever they make all of the things you mentioned they make all that infrastructure I can just see <laughs> at the Muslims at, at our current level as we are as we treat each other as we act towards each other especially online which is like the new world now which is moving more and more online especially with the pandemic you know every, everyone's online now and cyberspace is like more than more more popular than real life sometimes mm. how do we stop us well how do how do we continue with with with, with power without it, it kind of uh leading to us just breaking up and uh, so um i'm just opening this because i want i wanted there's a lovely quote mm-hmm. on, which i so um it, it, there is a there is a this is something that all muslims would agree with right that there is an aspect of us as individuals mm-hmm. of how we rectify ourselves isn't there there's an aspect of that so understanding the importance of responsibility and leadership and that you'll be accounted on yawm al for this that you'll be and also like we talked before about um the followers mm-hmm. both obeying and accounting 
right? And those two things are not mutually conflicted. And that rectification of ourselves has to acknowledge that we are corrupted. It's not just that we mm. lack certain Islamic concepts. We are corrupted by the dominant thoughts in the world, which come from secularism and cap capitalism. So individualism is rife, isn't it? I mean, you, why is it that in the Far East, they were very cooperative about dealing with the pandemic rules, Whereas here we've got people that refuse to stay at home, refuse to put on masks in the, the States. People are like rebelling against it almost, yeah? Why? It's because they've been taught, and we've been taught from a very young age, that you are the most important thing, not the collective, yes? Mm. Not obeying Allah. The false not, idol of the self. Yeah, and not, not, obeying, not, not obeying the one that Allah has legitimately mm. given authority to or that, that Islam <coughs> legitimately gives authority to in any given situation. I don't mean spiritual authority. I mean the ruling, the, the leadership authority in mm. any given situation. Okay, and that could be in a house, the relationship between man, wife, children, parents. It could be in the mosque. It could be in the community. So these, this rectification of the mm. self requires certain Islamic concepts and a recognition that we are corrupted in the dominant thoughts. But you know, think of when. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam went to Al-Madina. He went to a place, Yathrib, which was torn up by war and conflict before. Mm. Tribes were fighting each other, hating each other, killing each other. Yeah, and, and at some point, those people, it, they, obviously they embraced mm. Islam, right? But they accepted they would bring this man and what he brought, Islam, as the arbiter between them, okay? And when he came to Medina, the, the Sahifa of Medina became the document arbitering between them. And actually, even then, when the best ruler of the best of creation came with that best constitution, mm. there were people that undermined it in his state. The tribes, Banu Nadir, Banu Qaynuqa, Banu Quraidha, the Munafiqeen, <coughs> Yeah, they're all undermining it from day one, right? And how did he deal with them? When they undermined it, there was a there was a legal sanction on them, depending on what they did, right? But he didn't also he didn't like start spying on people to see who were the munafiqeen. He didn't start like oppressing people. Rather, he dealt with case by case mm. on what was apparent. Didn't he? Um, there's a there's a statement by um, Umayyar ibn Sa'd radiyallahu an, who was the wali of Homs at the time of Umar ibn Khattab. He said, "Islam will remain strong as long as the authority is strong, and the authority, the strength of authority, doesn't come from the killing by the sword and the lashing by the whip. It comes by judging with the truth and upholding of justice." Umar radiallahu an he said if he wished he had a man like Umair bin Saad as one of his look, helping him look after the Muslims' <clears throat> affairs. I think you know when I think of some of the big schisms in the Muslim world, Shia Sunni, uh, in in countries like Pakistan the Baluchi separatists, in in places like Turkey the Kurdish separatists, a lot of this comes from a sense of people feeling they've been hard done by. 
injustice, injustice mm. neglected, yes, uh, per- persecuted, right? And and sometimes they have been, and so there mm. needs there needs to not just be an Islamic constitution. There needs to be an enforcing of justice, upholding of truth, even if it's against your own clan or ethnic background or sect or party if it meant that you're upholding justice for the one who came genuinely mm-hmm. aggrieved so those stories that we tell our children about when the the non-muslim the, the the jewish man came over a dispute with sayyidna ali when he was khalifa and the the judge arbitrated mm-hmm. in favor of the the plaintiff not mm-hmm. the khalifa they have a meaning, don't they, in terms of what we learn from the Khulafa Rashidun. That, that actually, this is the manifest way that actually you can start, and I say start, to build that mm. trust. In the history of this. Instilling a sense of justice insti- into our children. Instilling a sense. No, 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 no. In, 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 that, that's right, but that's mm. part of the rectification of the self. But ultimately, what it means is that when. When you come, whoever, whoever, and Allah knows who, whoever comes to assume and give, is given bay'ah as the next khalifa. And by the way, the long tradition in Musnad Ahmad that talks about the foretelling of that, talks about khilafa ala min hajil nabuwa is the next khilafa, not, mm. not a corrupted khilafa, but a khilafa that actually adopts these principles of prophethood, right? So the, whoever comes, who is given bay'ah as the next khalifa, has to... Um, rule in a way that brings these people together mm-hmm. and 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 you may be somebody who comes from a community or a background that thinks that you you uh, are hard done by or you may be from a political grouping in the society that has been you might be a communist for example mm-hmm. that has been calling for communist in communism in your state or whatever yeah but now the line is drawn clear sorry i'm looking at your microphone the line we've drawn clear we we clean the wet slate mm. is wiped clean, mm. right? You are now going to be accounted, and we as the government are now going to be account- accounted on this way of ruling. Mm. If people start to see that actually being realised, that trust builds. And and bear in mind, in the history of Islam, why is it that even non-Muslims felt loyal to the Khilafah when the Crusaders came, for example? Mm. Why? Because they recognized that even that Islamic rule gave them their rights, okay? And that, that's, mm. that's a, that's a I, I don't say that's easy, but that's the way we have to start thinking. And, and I think it's, not, it's right to look at these schisms that mm. exist. It's also right when people talk about rectification of self, if they recognize that we are corrupted by many ideas from outside mm. and from the dominant secular thought. Uh, but... But more than that, it's when it comes to the issue of ruling, and if, for example, Salman, you get appointed mm. as a mosque committee chairman, I would expect you to, up, uh, to, to, to adopt these if you want to succeed as a legitimate mm. chairman of the mosque committee. Yeah? Yeah. You, you would try and uphold these principles. You would not say, oh, you're my friend, you can come and have your circle and say to the other one that mm. you don't like the way that he speaks, that he can't. Yeah. No, mm. you will play fair with everyone, and if, yeah. if you and you would expect them to account you from day one, you'd want that. Mm. Like it's important on, for, you know, I, I wrote about this a few years ago called the Caliphate Chicken and the Egg. 
You know, in terms, a lot of people when they're talking about okay, what went wrong, what depending on your own particular interests and and uh, maybe background or even personality type, we tend to focus sometimes more on macro level issues, sometimes uh, you know systems and so forth, and sometimes on micro level issues. Some people, you know, in terms of fixing people and uh, their personal integrity and so forth, and it it is deeply fallacious to only focus on one. You do need both of that. You know, if you have the system set up very nicely and people are selfish and corrupt and or obnoxious or don't have the akhlaq of the Muslims, the Prophet that he came to perfect, then that you know the best system is gonna is gonna be um, you know undermined and and and, and broken and uh, from within. But if you have a bad system uh, and you you work focus on making people harder workers, making people you know, uh, more efficient in their uh, uh, job and more polite and more cooperative and more effective human beings, you're just going to increase the, <laughs> the output of so, of evil happening. You know? So, so Rasulullah he had he had uh, the best system, mm. the divine system, and he had a society of the best generation. Mm. But he also had some really bad eggs in there, and they were really, mm. really trying to create fitna for him and really trying to mm. undermine the society, and and yet somehow he managed to hold all of that together and yeah. that's that I think that, he mastered sallallahu alaihi wasallam both spheres the, the uh, of course the, the systemic of course. the macro and also the micro individual but when uh, we're talking level. about uh, political mm. it's like you say all these things that we need to do ourselves if you do all of that but if you don't have that glue the issue is people shouldn't undermine the other that's if, the issue. If there's a because we need people to focus on the the, the macro issues, we need people simultaneously to focus yeah. on, you know, whatever people, so, you know, is 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 easy for them and so forth. But we need to recognize, like I read one thing that uh, I forgot the name of the sheikh, he mentioned, uh, the ummah is like the the hadith that my ummah is like a body, one body, you know, the feet don't do the same job as the hands. <laughs> The eyes don't do the same job as you know the the brain, for example. So likewise, we need to recognize that those who are working on raising the youth, for example, or working on you know uh, increasing the, the the personal integrity angle of and the spirituality and so forth of human beings, and those who are work, need to work on the the global systemic issues. There's no problem having a focus as long as it's not mutually undermining and saying my way is the only way, because. Focusing only on macro, only on micro, is going to lead to disaster, in my opinion. The, the Islam is not just micro or macro. Mm. Uh, I, 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 I wouldn't, I don't classify it like that. R rather, actually, the, the, you can say there are there are elements of Islam which are thoughts, ideas, rules. They they exist in the personal domain or the communal domain mm. in terms of families, communities, and stuff. And then. What we've been talking about predominantly today is there's elements of Islam which were the method to implement the Sharia rule, protect them and mm -hmm. propagate them, right? And that required a legitimate Islamic authority in the end. This hundred years is marking the end of that. Mm -hmm. Even when that is restored, what we talk about in terms of the personal domain, what you might call the micro, that has to exist. Rather, I would argue that it can better be achieved mm. when you have a government and a society that allows that to flourish. 
that's not to say it should mm. not even be worked on now. It should. And it's it should. a prerequisite. It should. Yeah, well. It's a prerequisite yeah. for those who even asp mm. who aspire to even try and carry the noble yeah. cause without question. <clears throat> it's a prerequisite for the ordinary Muslim amongst us who wants to achieve Jannah and, mm. and wants to try and please Allah, right? Um, and But I, I'd say that um, the only thing I... Really, I think the thing I agree with you is when there should be no contradiction mm. and conflict between people Except if you start saying, no, you're doing this is actually uh, driving people away from what they should be doing. It, mm. can't, it can't be. If we view Islam as a complete way of life, you can't say you're yeah. calling for the political... It shouldn't undermine other, yeah, other legitimate yeah, causes. It, it, you know? and, and everything in Sharia has like mm. its priority. What we're talking about today what we're talking about on this anniversary, mm, mm. which people don't really talk about, do they, very much? Let's face it. I mean, no. we talk about it all the time in Hizmet Tahrir, but really... Really? When, <laughs> yeah. but when you look about... look mm. re Really, when you look at the, the status of this issue and how much other people try to even just educate yeah. uh, people on this matter and the, the relevance of this matter mm. and the importance of this matter, it is actually very small. Yeah. Very small. Mm. And and if you even look at the discourse of Muslim activists in this week about Harry and Meghan versus <laughs> this, it, it's it's a, mm. a tragedy. Mm. It's a tragedy, and it's and I and I think so. I, I do. Wallahi, I do agree with you that we should mm. not be attacking each other and different people mm. like have different focuses. Yes, I I would hope if somebody who sees their focus on improving tarbiya and the akhlaq mm. came to me and said you're working for khilafah you should improve yourself i would hope i would say jazakallah khair i should mm. and i must right by the same token if i go to somebody who is working for that and i say mashallah you're doing this but you know what you should be addressing these issues as well and working for it i hope they wouldn't turn around and you know say no that's not my job mm. Yeah, do you see what I mean? It's like, and and yet, actually, I would argue with you, more people will come round that way round. Yeah. But the benefit of this discussion for all people watching is mm. that actually, your point is valid. Islam is Islam, fard is fard, wajib is wajib, obligation is obligation. Whether it's the weighty, huge geopolitical issues of having a Khalifa and who is the voice of Islam in the world and who carries mm. this message to humanity, or whether it's uh, my mother advising me on how I should, you know, yeah. eat with my right hand or uh, say Bismillah before I eat mm. and not waste any of my food. Yeah, yeah. yeah. On the topic of food, I heard this place is quite uh, popular on the map. <laughs> And we've taken a lot of your time. So Jazakumullah Khairan, Dr. Abdul Wahid. Pleasure to speak to you, speak to you again. Uh, you're working towards Khilafah, but you know what? I advise you, you should um, subscribe to Some Trinity's YouTube channel and click like and share you two at home, uh, wherever you're watching this. Uh, remember to donate as well if you can to help uh, support don't, this podcast. Don't give him any money. Uh, don't, don't give me give any money, but uh, click on this link here uh, and... Uh, one hummus will go towards H. Just kidding. 
Um, Zakalakhar again for your uh, viewership If you manage to make it to the end of this podcast If you like this podcast give a like and a share uh, Remember to get involved in the comments below Let us know what you think Agree, disagree um, Have any good points We'll have a read uh, And continue watching Islam Trinity uh, Watching Unscripted for more juicy stuff like this uh, Until next time Zakumla khairan Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Unscripted